Welcome, everybody, to episode number 43 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter Blog. Training had always been the bane of all the armed services. After World War II, it went soft, well attested by the horrific casualties in the early days of Korea. The American people were shocked. How could the government have allowed their sons to go off to war so ill-prepared? Those of us who'd been trained well and fought through those bleak days wondered the same thing. Those who survived to become training madmen in Korea carried the same passion into their subsequent commands. There we were thwarted before we'd hardly begun. With neither the means nor the blessings of the powers that be, apparently there was no room for training madmen in this peacetime army. The new look brought with it Not only a new kind of weaponry, but a new kind of warrior as well. Actually, the new breed was kind of a warrior diplomat. As bloodless ballistics seemed to be phasing out the role of fighters on future battlegrounds, the emphasis increased on diplomatic side of soldiering. Now it was not what you said or did that counted, but how. And old soldiers for whom diplomacy and tact were harder to master than jumping out of a plane or bonsaiing a hill, were left shaking their heads like puzzled commuters staring at the schedule and wondering how they got on the wrong bus. But then suddenly it was too late even for a tourniquet. Chief of Staff Taylor disbanded all the old army regiments with all their history and tradition to make way for the new-look battle groups each composed of five rifle companies. This battalionless, five-sided system designed for the nuclear battlefield was fittingly called the Pentomic Army and was virtually the first such major reorganization of forces since Valley Forge. It had its own jazzy vocabulary. An outpost line was now a combat outpost. The front line was now the forward edge of the battle area. But the new lingo was more a public relations exercise than anything else. After all, a killing ground by any other name is still a killing ground. Within five years, the pentomic concept would prove completely unworkable, and the army would futuratively reorganize once again. But the damage done in the meantime was, in a word, irreparable. That's a couple quick excerpts from the book About Face by Colonel David Hackworth. And if you've ever listened to any sort of Jocko podcast or any sort of thing Jocko's done, you you know that Colonel Hackworth was a major source of inspiration for him. And just even recently, Jocko was able to write the new forward for the re-release of About Face. Uh, You can get a copy of About Face Oh, I got it on thrift books for about $7. Uh, don't let the size intimidate you. It's about 800 pages, but I can tell you the correlations that I've drawn from reading it. I'm about 400 pages in, and the correlations that I've drawn from reading it have just been astounding. And, and even Jocko talks about how even though he never experienced some of the things before he was a task unit commander, he would go back and read about it in about face because Hackworth had done everything in the military and had usually experienced it before. So Jocko just had to go. It was kind of almost like a physician's desk reference. And those excerpts that I just read really, really were speaking to me about the direction of this quote unquote new fire service that we're in. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, but when I read this, it just, it, it made me just like, and I wrote in the margins, you know, the fire service we're in or the people that we're hiring, they think this is the quote unquote peacetime fire service, the peacetime fire service. And I keep like running through that in my head, just like he's talking about the peacetime army and the way that we're training these new recruits and the way that we're, we're integrating them into the fire service, we're setting ourselves up for the big fall. When you have recruit firefighters that don't respect rank, don't respect tradition, 
think that they're doing us a favor by them coming to work every day instead of the opposite, which is we did them a favor by hiring them. We're setting ourselves up for the big fall. We're setting ourselves up for an entitled fire service that does not mirror the history and the traditions of what being a firefighter is all about. Here's where I part from some of my colleagues, however, is that, yes, while this is stuff that comes down from the top, this is stuff that comes down these, the, you know, reorganization of, of fire departments and, and change in mission and, and all those things. Like guys at my level, the, the company officer level, the middle manager, the middle ground leader, we don't really affect policy change. We give suggestions and we, and, and we do things, but at the end of the day, it's our job to make that mission work. And a lot of times people blame the chief officers, and I do it myself. I'm not sitting up on a high horse. I, I, I get frustrated and I, and I blame you know, the chief officers and the administrative staff. And, I, and, and I, you know, I, everybody gets, gets that way sometimes. But the firefighters that we're bringing in, they're our responsibility. Their recruit staff responsibility, their company officer responsibility. And I consistently see seasoned company officers and seasoned firefighters and even newer firefighters, five, six years on the job, ignoring these newer firefighters. Firefighters that are coming in ready to learn. And sometimes they're the most eager kid you've ever seen and they get ignored. They get told, no, we're, don't pull, we're not pulling hose here today. No, we're not going to go out and learn the district. No, we're not going to throw ladders. No, we're not going to. No, 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 no. And eventually they get integrated into that. And let me tell you whose fault that is. That's our fault. That's anybody who wakes up in the morning and puts on the uniform. That's our fault. We have done them a disservice. We have done them a disservice by allowing them to think that that's the way it is, allowing them to think that it's not important that we drill, that it's not important that we PT, that it's not important that we know about our trade. And I'm not picking on a group of people that I was involved with here a little bit ago, but I, I have the distinct honor, I think it's an honor, of teaching in our acting officer program, which our fire department is unique. We allow firefighters with four years on the department to ride the engine, ladder trucks, special service pieces, so on and so forth, in an acting lieutenant or captain role. Essentially, they can be the officer of the day in the absence of an officer. And out of a group of 30 people, not one of them had a subscription to Fire Engineering Magazine. Not one of them had a subscription to Firehouse Magazine. Not one of them had a subscription to Fire Apparatus Magazine. I was absolutely appalled at this. And I told him so. And I told him so. Those are like the definitive works in our industry. Those are supposed to be the cutting edge periodicals that like, if you have a question, you can be, you can reference them. They're the cutting edge of our industry. And we've got a group of people that are getting ready to ride in charge of a fire truck that have no idea what's going on in those, in, in, at the forefront of our industry. Most of them hadn't even read the, the UL studies. And, you know, I got to thinking how bad that was. And, and I realized that it's our fault. I've talked about this on another podcast before, but it is our fault. It is our fault. It is our fault. It is our fault. We have allowed this to become the standard. When I came in the fire service, it was, you weren't cool if you didn't get firehouse or fire engineering. Like you weren't, like you were the outcast. And now, for some reason, it has flipped. It has flipped to where if you care about the job, if you're into the job, if you come home and turn your scanner on to listen to the fire, you're the problem. And we have to reverse that. We have to take ground back. I said on Twitter at one, one time that I felt that firemanship was under attack nationwide, and I believe that still to this day. I see it. But we can reverse course. It is not irreversible. We can reverse course. We can. We are not in a peacetime fire service. We are not in a peacetime fire service. We are at war daily. Now, our enemy may change. Our enemy might have changed, but we have just as much responsibility to be as good at all parts of this job as we did before. 
fire is still our number one enemy, no matter how, how well it's hidden these days. And in fact, it makes it a more dangerous enemy because consistently and consistently we're bringing on firefighters at four and five and six and 10 years. We're promoting firefighters at six years that may have gone to one or two fires in their career. So it is our job, it is our duty to push forward firemanship. There is no peacetime fire service. We are not in the peacetime fire service. There is no such thing. We are at war every day, whether it be COVID-19, a structure fire, a cardiac arrest, a shooting, a stabbing. We are at war daily, and there is no room for a peacetime fire service in our country, period and end of story. And I'm so glad that today on the podcast, I get to have a conversation with two firefighters that are waging war against this peacetime fire service. Today, we're going to talk to Chris Clark, who's been on the podcast before, and Jordan Hood. And they're going to be talking about not only some of their firefighting philosophies, some of their engine company philosophies, you know, overall firemanship things. They're going to be talking about their effort to wage war on this peacetime fire service that we're seeing through their conference, Carolina Firemanship Days. Carolina Firemanship Days is going to be in November of 2020, and you can sign up on carolinafiremanshipdays.com. So I'm so happy to be able to talk to these two guys today. Let's not even belabor the point anymore. Let's get to our conversation with Chris Clark and Jordan Hood, Carolina Firemanship. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Like I talked about in the intro, super excited to have two guys that, as I said in the intro, are waging war against the peacetime fire service, Chris Clark and Jordan Hood, uh, coming to us to promote their conference, Carolina Firemanship Days, but also to talk about some their philosophies on the engine company and just their philosophies overall on firemanship. And I don't know if you guys have, have, have been out in the social media world or anything, but both of these guys are pretty active on Instagram and they're, and they're teaching all over the country. And so they're two solid, solid brothers that are here to just, you know, have a great conversation. And of course, are, are waging war against that peacetime fire service that we keep talking about. So first off, guys, thanks for coming on the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Super excited to have you guys on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, in case people have been, you know, they've never heard of you guys or anything, I want to, you know, have you guys give your bio out. So, Chris, we'll start with you. Just tell us about your fire service journey and, and how you got to this point. Yeah, man. Um, so I started when I graduated high school. I uh, started volunteering, uh, volunteered for like two years, and then got hired on with my first full-time job in Salisbury, North Carolina. I uh, worked there for like two and a half, three years, and then I actually left uh, full-time service and went into the Navy. Um, did my did my four and out and uh, got back in to the full-time service, um, like middle, late 2018 uh, at my current department in uh, Matthews, North Carolina. That's, that's where I've been. Um, worked part-time at a couple different uh, places, uh, one place with Jordan, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Fifth-generation firefighter. Outstanding. Jordan, how about you? Tell us about your fire service journey, where you've been, how you got here. Uh, pretty much started uh, last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. More so kind of like Chris, uh, second generation. Uh, my dad was in the volunteers back in the 80s and 90s. Kind of grew up in the volunteer side of things. Um, kind of separated from it for about 10 years and then started getting interested in it back in about 2000, 2001, um, you know, in the volunteers in Eastern Pennsylvania, you know, very small town department, knew everybody, uh, excuse me, and then moved to South Central Pennsylvania, started getting more active in, into the volunteer side of things, um, got hired by a, a small part-time career department just outside the city of York, Pennsylvania, and then, uh, got hired by a department in Maryland where I worked for you know a little over five years and uh, the place I currently work is you know the largest department in North Carolina and you know it was a place I always wanted to be in wanted wanted to be in the south and that's pretty much it I'm just fortunate to be here 
have had the opportunity to, to work in some very good departments and some very good uh, companies. And I just want to keep it at that, you know, keep going and strive for the best. So, well, yeah, awesome. I mean, and, and very similar journey to myself. And it seems like a lot of guys that are, that are into the job, so to speak, for lack of a better term, they, they do have that early exposure to, to the fire service. And, and I think that that's, what leads you guys down the path that you're that you're going down with wanting to share your knowledge base and wanting to share, uh, you know, what you've learned th- throughout your journeys. And, and I, for one, think that's outstanding because we're never going to be able to capture all of these things if people don't step up and share. Because so, for so often, I know in my career, I, you know, starting at a young age, you know, I came into my career department, my second career department, having a, a decent amount of experience and, and having, you know, gone to fires and, and had a, a way of doing business. And I was kind of beat down at first, like, Hey, shut the hell up, rookie. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't, you know, at that time it's your other place doesn't count. Um, you know, is that something you guys experienced in, in your, uh, in your careers throughout the departments you've been in? Yeah, it's definitely been a, it's definitely been a learning curve to say the least. Um, you know, and I think, I think one of the most interesting things is, is, the fire service and Jeff Shoup says it best. It's, you know, it's based on where you come from. And, you know, the culture that I, I came from was very, very, very aggressive. And, you know, coming to the South, we're, we're still a very aggressive department. However, you know, the culture that I'm used to is a lot different. Whereas the culture down here is a little bit, maybe more laid back compared to, you know, how, how I was brought up, which isn't a bad thing by any means, but it, it it's, it's interesting to me to understand different cultures and and throughout the fire service and where you're where you're located. But um, you know, yes, I would definitely agree that. You know, I'm sure uh, Eastern North Carolina versus Western North Carolina is, is very different as well. But good. How about you, Chris? Um. Yeah. I mean, as far as like, um, I mean, I think. Jordan's right. Just kind of paying attention, paying attention to the way that other places do it. Um, and, and getting the exposure from like going to training and whatnot to, to see how other, other areas do it. And I'm kind of like my, my experience kind of, uh, is, I don't want to say like unique, like it's, it's a one-off thing, but like I, I volunteered on the West coast when I was in the Navy and getting that exposure, uh, was super cool. Um, cause you get to uh, see a completely different side that you wouldn't normally get to see. Um, but as far as like, um, uh, feeling if you are, are, are kind of stifled, if you kind of switch departments in the middle of a career or whatnot, um, like my, and I'm going to brag on my department, my department's super good about bringing in, uh, experienced guys and, um, and letting them kind of run and have their opinions and, and try to make the department better. Um, our chief and our training officer. And I, I bragged on them the last time that I was on, um, mm-hmm. but they're just, they're super open-minded. Um, they, they're, they're open to, to change or a better way of doing things. And, and um, they let the guys that have experience else from elsewhere kind of, kind of drive the culture of the department, which is very encouraging. Um, and I, my first department was a very, um, I don't know if I call it old school, but they had a, they had a very set way of doing things. They're, they were an amazing department, um, very strict in their operational standards and, and, um, and how they did things back then. They're a completely different department now. Um, kind of a 180 from, you know, quaint concepts and whatnot to, to true truck, true engine. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to still be involved with, with that department in, in a volunteer capacity, but, um, it was, it, it, it's a, it's a change going even from, from area to area, um, from, you know, North and Salisbury to South and, you know, right outside of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, where I work now is, is the, the, the cultures and the mindsets are a little bit different. Um, and, uh, it is interesting to see those dynamics at work. You know, you guys both touched on the same word. And so, and it kind of fed right into the, the initial, like one of the questions I wanted to ask you, you both touched on the culture being strong. So I would like to know from you guys and Chris, we'll start with you and, jo- and then Jordan, you can jump in and, and answer after Chris is done. 
with with speaking of culture, what do you think or what kind of culture like makes a good engine company? Like what what kind of culture are we talking about? Or like, you know, what kind of intangibles or or even tangible things that we that we have that make that engine company like just the one you want to be a part of? I think um I think one of the biggest things, man, and, and Jordan and I have talked about this a lot in the last couple of weeks. Um like just getting down to the like base level of what an engine company should do. Um, you know, just, you know, getting to the destination, you know, in a quick amount of time, you know, establishing your water supply, deploying your line, and then putting a competent firefighter and nozzle in between the fire and a potential victim. Um, you know, I try to, I try to keep that as simple as possible in, in, in any, any training that I do or, or how I think about things or how I ride the truck, like that's at the, at the base level, that's what we're there for. Um, and I love, uh, you know, I love the, we'll probably talk about quotes a bunch on the, on the, on this, but, um, Kevin Shea from the FDNY, he was one of the guys that went over, uh, in times square, made that really famous uh, rope roof rescue um, from rescue one. Uh, He had a quote uh, on a podcast when they were talking about like how he thinks about like technical rescue stuff and firefighting and whatnot. And, you know, very few things in the fire service is advanced. Um, And, and especially when we talk about basic firemanship, I think that like people, people try to make it more advanced or try to go in depth. And that's, that's great. But at the, at the base level, like it's, like nothing's really advanced pulling hoses in advance, like deploying a line or, or putting it in services in advance. It's, it's just being so good at the basics that they come naturally. Um, so I think that the, the culture of, of our engine stuff should kind of revolve around that is, is, you know, that rigged door, door to fire and keeping in mind that we're there to, to uh, put that nozzle and a, and a good firefighter in between, you know, the victim and the fire and, and do it in a timely fashion. Jordan, what I'm about you? Say, uh, more or less two words come to mind. And the first one being disciplined and the second one mindset. And then combining those two words, um, you know, like Chris said, a lot of a lot of what we do as an engine company is basic. But, you know, you, you can pull up any social media website um, and you, you can watch the first 30 seconds to a minute after the you know, the, the parking brake is pulled and watch the guys stretch a line. And if they're not disciplined and if, if they don't, if they don't carry a disciplined mindset, you can, you can watch how the fire is going to go from a, you know, a room and contents or a garbage can fire, so to speak, to a, a multi-alarm fire because they lack discipline. They lack that disciplined mindset. And, um, it, it's funny that I kind of mentioned that because, uh, Chief LeBlanc did a, a podcast or a show last night, and LeBlanc is one of my biggest mentors and a very good friend of mine. And he talked about the mindset, and you know, I, I to me, I yeah, I got to give him you know all the credit because he was the one that ingrained that disciplined mindset into me, you know, about you know seven eight years ago. And I really think that's where it comes down to. If you don't, if you don't have the discipline in the mindset and then combine those two, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, you know, I, I think Chris really hit it, hit the nail on the head on that aspect. But, you know, if you don't have those two things, you're just, lack of better terms, you're just pissing in the wind. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I, and I like, and I like that you, that you put it like that. But, and, and mindset is something that I've, I really think is important, right? Because, We've uh, and I deal with this a lot when I coach athletes and, and, I, and I coach and I never really thought about until like, you know, a couple of uh, maybe a year or two ago, how your mindset is, it, you know, just having a determined mindset can maybe make the outcome in a fire like and it just never occurred to me. Right. But like it's the same thing as as, ha- you know, athletes having a right mindset before they take a wrestling mat or a football field or anything like that. I mean, that's that's. You know, and and we have more at stake for that. So if your mind's not right and you don't have a good mindset, I mean, I think that's that's extreme. I'm glad you brought that up, and that's extremely extremely important. And so you both touched on something that I think is vital, and that's talking about basics. And that's talking about basics. And 
what the question I'd like to ask is because, and again, I think the basics are super duper important. And I really, I'll be quite honest with you, I don't get bored of the basics. I like stretching hose lines, flowing water, uh, throwing ladders, forceful entry. Like I, I like those basic firefighter skills. In fact, like you know, to be honest with you, those are the things I enjoy the most. I I really could care less about hall systems and 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 things like that. I you know I do them because they make me, but uh, I really don't enjoy that very often. But I see that kind of again, maybe for lack of a better term, counterculture where people get bored with those engine company basics, and that's why they gravitate to the truck companies, the special service companies. Are you guys seeing that in your fire department? And how do you combat that uh, by keeping people interested in the engine company? And and Jordan, you go first with that. <laughs> it's kind of funny you actually you actually said that because, uh, you know, previous employer, for previous department, I spent over five years on an engine company. And I, you know, come down to the department that I'm at now and um, I'm actually riding or assigned to the what was the busiest ladder company in the city. Um, and, you know, everybody starts to give me a hard time. Oh, we think you're a big engine guy and this and that, <laughs> and, which I am. But, um, uh, you know, to me, it, to me, it's one of those things that, you know, I just, I just want to be well-rounded on both sides of the fence. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm a big Ray McCormick fan and I, I, I kind of throw it back to him, you know, I think Ray always wanted to be good at basic engine skills and basic ladder skills. And to me, it, you know, it's, it fo- kind of follows the same mindset that I just, you know, I want to be good at forcing doors, throwing ladders, stretching hose lines, putting water on the fire in a, you know, a very aggressive manner and a very aggressive time limit, um, you know, to, to, to kind of separate the both is, is kind of tough. If you want to be good um, you know, at everything, you're not going to be good. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're not going to be good at everything in the fire service, but if I can focus on those basic skills of both an engine and a truck or engine and a ladder to me, you know, I think they kind of go hand in hand. You know, I, I want to know what the ladder company is going to be doing just as much as the engine company is going to be doing. Um, you know, you start advancing out of, out of those realms I think I think you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. But if you're if you're kind of focusing on both skills of, you know, the initial engine, the initial ladder, I, I don't really think you're stepping outside of your boundaries or outside of your uh, your scope. And I, I think those are, like I said, kind of go hand in hand. And I don't I, to me, I don't really see an, uh, an issue with that. But, you know, as much as I'd be love, you know, love, love to be stretching hose lines and, you know, putting hose in the street. You know, I think it's just important that, you know, it's no different than trying to learn pumps and understanding what the what the driver's faced with, you know, out in the street of, you know, if you pull up to something and you're calling for water. And hopefully that make, kind of makes sense. Absolutely you know. does. Yeah. You know, like you said, once you start getting in, into yeah. the, the more technical side of things, whole systems and confined space and trench and you know, doing different mechanical advantages and stuff like that, that that's where it kind of gets, you know, a little bit more out of hand. But, you know, just being good at the the basics of both companies, I don't, I don't think you're setting yourself up wrong, so to speak. So. No, I, I agree with you. Chris, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same line of thinking as Jordan. Like, I just, I want to be super good at the basics of both. Um, and let's be honest, like if we could, like, I think that if, you know, any of us could ride one company or the other for our whole career or um, be in those dedicated tasks, we would. But the reality is, is that especially for for our area, um, we, we don't have that luxury We're you know, some days we're on a two man squad and sometimes we're on a five man engine and other days we're on a two man ladder. So it, it just kind of depends on on staffing and, and what our what the dynamics look like in our in our staffing. Um, so you you're you're forced to to try to be good at, at the basics or you should be good at the basics. Um, and uh, I, I think that sometimes like, you know, if we talk about the basics of, of engine company stuff, you know, you, you were talking about guys getting kind of bored of just stretching lines all day or, or you know, doing what we would call the basics. Um, sometimes I think that comes from a lack of imagination. Um, 
you know, how many times have we stretched those out in the parking lot in a straight run and been like, okay, we got our daily stretch in. And in all reality, like, what did we do? We didn't go around obstacles. We didn't, you know, have a target door to stretch on and to, to hammer the, um, the, the, the basic skill of not crowding the door, um, of not, you know, um, uh, pulling to it or, or doing our, you know, a V split or something and working different types of scenarios or whatnot. So I think that getting out, um, into the district and out of our comfort zone of, of what we would normally stretch on um, and make it a little bit more interesting for the guys. That's how we can kind of combat that, that, uh, that thinking of, Oh, well, we're just going to go stretch more hose today. Like, well, if we go stretch it on this four story apartment, we've never stretched on like that, make it, make it a little bit more interesting for everybody. Cause now some, you know, people are learning a different skill, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and that's actually, it's funny you brought that up because the last drill that I taught for our, our Western battalion training was uh, what I call alternative hose stretches, which was utilizing rope and, and well holes and all that kind of stuff. You know, again, a different philosophy on a different skill set basics, but on stretching hose. And, and I thought, and, and it really was it, I, I, you know, it was a different, a lot of people had never even done that. And so it was, it, it was engaging from an aspect of, it wasn't just like you said, stretching hose in that in the fire department uh in the in the fire department you know, parking lot um you know, and, and doing and stuff like that too and that was one thing we kind of really tried to focus on um you, you know in my previous place of employment um we wouldn't necessarily stretch hose every day but we would we would challenge each other and by not putting hose in the street yes you're kind of you're not getting the physical aspect of having that hose in your hand or going through the motions but you know, we would walk buildings every shift, walk apartment complexes, walk, you know, single families, position apparatus in different different spots because obviously, you know, we all know that show up at three o'clock in the morning and you could have a parking lot full of cars. But I think the biggest point that I'm trying to make is that we would challenge each other and say, okay, you know, positioning the apparatus here, you're going to stretch you know, the 300 to this, or the 300 foot long to this place, how are you going to get it there by yourself or with two people? Or, you know, we start walking these buildings and, you know, you look back and, you know, how far away are, are you from the engine now? Or, wh- or which line are you going to pull? Or, you know, challenging, challenging each other and asking questions on, you know, whose line length, whose line diameter. Um, you know, and I think, it kind of goes hand in hand. It gets people engaged because it, it gets them to think outside, you know, the more or less the cliche term of think outside the box, but it gets the mind thinking and it starts to challenge people. And I think as you do that, as you're out on the street, as you're looking at your, your, your stole alarm or your first due area, it, it gets people engaged, if you will. So I think that would probably be one aspect to, kind of bring bring those people that are bored or maybe not um, interested, take them out on the street, get them to learn a little bit, get them engaged to think. That's all I got. No, that's, that's, that's outstanding. And, and I, and I agree with you. Like, you know, one of the things that I would do when I was an engine company officer is we would just randomly ride around the district and I'd find just a random hydrant and we'd all pull up and, we basically challenge ourselves, as you said, to see how fast we could, you know, get water to the engine. Like, all right, spot the hydrant, get water to the engine. And we time ourselves. And, and like I said, it's challenging, you know, it's challenging. Like in the loser had to buy everybody an ice cream sandwich. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's fun. It puts a little skin in the game and maybe it makes that guy go out on the ramp and train at the hydrant the next time. So he don't got to buy ice cream. Uh, you know, I, I think that's super duper important. Builds camaraderie. It, build, it builds all those things that, that you guys have touched on throughout the whole thing that builds that good engine company culture. So I want to talk about now you guys individual departments. Um, and, 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 and I'm, and I'm struggling with how to phrase this, but the way that we would, I would describe my fire department is we are an engine based department. We have more engines than special service companies and we have rescue companies and ladder companies. And really a lot of what makes people stay on the engine or what has always made me gravitate to the engine is that's where the action is. Um, the engines, you know, are 90% of the time first due, 90% of the time the engine officer is the first one to establish command. They kind of dictate how the incident goes and the special service companies 
are kind of just kind of almost left to fend for themselves sometimes, uh, for lack of a better term. Would uh, would you guys describe your current companies as more engine based or special service focused? And 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 tell me why and tell me why that is. And Chris, let's start with you with that. Um, we're definitely a, an engine based department, and uh, and I'll make no bones about it, man. Like I, I try to tell people when we when we do training or whatnot, it, it's not like I'm working in the South Bronx in the seventies. Um, you know, we're a, we're a small two station department, um, that runs a minimum staffing of six per shift, uh, you know, three on each engine. We're, we're fortunate to pretty much never be at minimum staffing. We're usually riding four on the engine and a two man squad or, um, two engines and a, and a truck. It just depends on, we still have a volunteer base. So we, depends on who, is coming into shift and what their certification level is, whether they're an EMT only or a firefighter also. So it kind of depends, um, but we're pretty fortunate to, to have a pretty good staffing level and then a pretty good uh, working relationship with some of our mutual aid companies, um, whether in County or just over the border. Um, and then also with the, with the city. Um, but we're definitely engine based. Um, I'd, I'd go a little bit further and say that we're probably more rescue engine based because of our staffing model. Um, we do have a, a, you know, a dedicated, uh, rescue truck, but it, it's not fully staffed. It's usually cross staffed with, with one of those engines. Um, and then it kind of depends on, you know, if that engine's out when they get a call that they would normally run the rescue on, or if, you know, the call comes out as something different to begin with, or, you know, kind of that dynamic so there's always a there's always that um kind of unknown as far as whether or not we're going to get that rescue or that ladder um but we you know our, our engines are pretty loaded down we're, we're set up to do vertical ventilation we're set up to do um you know extrication we're set up for some light rope work uh that's that's something pretty new here in the last couple months that our our uh our kind of guys that are our special ops focused on, uh, have implemented. Um, so we're, we're kind of, I, I would say we're, we're well, well-rounded in the grand scheme of like how the fire department should operate from the engine platform. Um, but it, firefighting wise, we are definitely, um, definitely engine minded because we staff those full time. Um, I would, you know, we, we can always do better. I think that we've got some, uh, some room to grow, uh, into that, that more mindset of the guys that ride the engine. Um, but it is tough to, um, when you cross staff or you, or you ride different pieces of apparatus from a shift to shift basis, um, to shift those mindsets. And, and it, and it takes a lot to do that. Um, there have been, you know, I've been on fires where I've been on the engine. I've been on fires where I've been on a two man squad with an EMT only, and I've kind of had to abandon him, you know, for him to set up the, the medical group or whatever he was setting up for. And then, and then I took like, you know, outside vent positions. So it, it, it kind of, you know, it's that, it's that weird dynamic that none of us really want to work in, but we have to, and we, we have to, like Jordan was saying, we want, we have to be well-rounded in every company um, aspect so that we can perform in those, those areas when we're called to do so. Gotcha. Well, and Jordan, so you coming from a pretty different uh, situation than Chris, working for the largest, you know, fire department in North Carolina. Uh, how would you describe your department as engine based or more uh, special service focused? I'm going to say engine based. We have, uh, we have 44, actually we just opened up our 44th uh, engine company this past Saturday, technically our 43rd firehouse. Um, but 44 engine companies, 16 quints, basically. And Chris will, Chris will get a laugh out of this. I call it quint just a, a an extra axle engine with a big stupid thing on top. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. A confused ladder it's, truck. It's very interesting <laughs> because, um, you know, the, the department that I worked for just outside of D was in, uh, yeah, Prince George's County, Maryland. And, you know, our box alarms, we have four engines, two ladders, and the third being a, a, a third special service, which was either a rescue squad or a ladder company. Um, and, you know, two battalion chiefs and coming to, to the city of Charlotte where, you know, I work now, it's been, it's kind of been interesting because we run, you know, on a box alarm, we're typically getting four engines and a ladder. So those, the engines can be required to, to basically do anything 
whether it's vertical vent, horizontal vent, you know, search, um, forcible entry. So, you know, our model and Chris's model where he works, which is just outside of the city, is very, very similar. Um, so it's, you know, though we're a very, very heavy based engine department, so to speak, we're tasked with, you know, all the fire ground objectives. Um, so, you know, again, you, you kind of have to be good at being able to force, being able to search off an engine, being able to do vertical ventilators off, off an engine company. And, um, you know, I didn't really get that, that aspect or atmosphere of doing so in PG because, you know, I wrote an engine company and that's all we did. We put hose in the street and lines to the seat of the fire. Um, you know, obviously, unless you're working overtime at another firehouse or something, you didn't really get that aspect of, you know, throwing more than a 24 and a 14. So, you know, it, it's kind of unique. And again, it's one of those things that, you know, I could be riding, you know, the third engine on a, on a box alarm in the city of Charlotte. And I really won't know what my, my assignment is until I, I pull up until, you know, it's the first arriving, you know, engine captain or the first arriving battalion chief starts to disseminate those, those tasks. So it, it, to me, again, it's, it's a, it's a, a learning curve going from a department that kind of had the SOPs and uh, SOGs uh, kind of printed out. And now we're kind of, you show up and this is what you're going to do. Um, you know, but you know, to answer your question, it, it's, we're, you know, we're, we're definitely an engine based, department which i feel that every department across the country should be engine based because when i look at it you know water puts out fire not throwing ladders so yeah uh good stuff um you guys are you know you guys are kind of going down right to the path that i that i wanted you guys to go down um when talking about engine companies and their philosophy and everything so again sticking with some of your individual fire departments Let's say, and especially because you guys have described while how, you know, Chris, your department's a little bit different than Jordan's, you know, uh, describe to me, I'm a brand new firefighter and I come to your firehouse on day one and I'm, and I'm riding the engine. Uh, you know, it's hard to say that there's one particular skill, but give me some of the things I need to know day one, hitting the ground running with your engine company. And Chris, go ahead and start off with that. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna orient to the truck to the I say truck Jordan get mad at me um, I'm gonna orient to the engine uh, to the rig so the rig that we're riding that day we're gonna go over all the hose loads we're gonna go over where the equipment is um, and then we're gonna go over how to stretch all that stuff um, and and have a have a conversation as far as like what everybody's responsibility is um, that's a big thing for me is is to communicate like where where everybody's position is for the day. Uh, I don't want to be having that conversation as we're riding down the road, um, you know, going to a fire, trying to figure out who's going to do what. I think it just kind of wastes time. So if we, if we um, have that conversation at the start of shift and everybody knows their positions and everybody's disciplined enough to, to work within those positions, then um, that's definitely beneficial to us. But yeah, just orienting ourselves to the equipment, to our hose loads and how to stretch stuff. And um and then just basically talking shop on, on different scenarios or different calls that we've run that we could, uh, um, that we could run again and that, um, where everybody's, where everybody's responsibility is going to be. Hey, Jordan. I think Chris hit a lot on what I would, what I would go over. Uh, the only other big thing I would really enforce is, um, you know, and obviously this will come with Tom, but knowing your area, you know, I work in the downtown section of the city, so we have, we've got a lot of high-rises and, and whatnot and a lot of uh, commercial and residential high-rises, um, you know, compared to what where Chris is at. Or, you know, it, if I were to go anywhere else in the city, you know, to me, having an understanding of what your, your still alarm is made up of, uh, you know, is it single families? Is it garden apartments? Is it, you know, four or five-story multifamily dwellings? Um, I think that's extremely important to start expanding the, the individuals or, or yourself, um, you know, knowledge base, um, you know, how do we stretch? Where do we stretch? What do we do? You know, 
one big thing that I've, I've, I've learned, especially coming down to the South or down in North Carolina is that there's not a whole lot of basements, you know, and where I'm from and, you know, worked in Maryland and Pennsylvania, almost every house had a basement. So having an understanding of, you know, the building makeup, the building construction is uh, is a very valuable tool as well. But yeah, I mean, I would agree with Chris. Everything that he had said is is spot on. Awesome. And again, you know, still all great, great, great stuff. Um, so as we start to get, you know, wind down the end of the podcast, talk to me about uh, Carolina Firemanship Days. You know, how can people register? What are the classes you guys are going to be offering? And, and really how it came to be? What made you guys decide? Because as a guy who has helped run a couple conferences, uh, most notably the Fireground Commander with Ben Martin, uh, but I've been involved in uh, smaller level conferences through the Virginia Fire Chief Association. That that's not a small undertaking. Like it's not just something you woke up on a Wednesday and said, man, I want to run a fire conference. I want to have, you know, and especially when you involve hands on, which I know you guys are doing uh, a lecture based conference like we do with the fireground commander is extremely difficult to pull off. So then you guys are adding hands on components to it. So how did it develop and, and, and tell us all about it and tell us people how, how we can come. Um, yeah. So uh, November 6th and 7th, um, and this was really the brainchild of, uh, Joe Yaller, who's the, the owner of Twisted Fire Industries, um, good friend of, of both Jordan and I, um, we so, kind of, I don't know, so little backstory. We got, I got hooked up with Joe. Um, we did a little one day, um, training, uh, in 2019, we had an acquired building here in Salisbury and we, uh, did an engine side and a truck side and, and, uh, met Joe through a tactics on tap chapter that he had just, uh, started and asked him to do a, a tactics on tap that night. Um, Joe is a, uh, is a Renaissance man's of sorts. So he's got all, you know, a, the ability to bring a big tool trailer and whatnot. So when he heard about what we were trying to do, he was all in, um, full support, uh, with, both him and his family and twist fire. And, um, that, that relationship just kind of blossomed. Um, and Joe had always had, um, the desire to put on a conference here. Um, micro conferences, conferences in general, uh, kind of in the, in the Southeast have not been a huge thing. Uh, not at least from my perspective. Um, so to offer something, um, in this area is huge for us. Um, we definitely want to, to, to draw, uh, a lot of people and, and to show what this area can offer to the fire service, you know, as a whole. Um, but yeah, six and seventh, uh, the, the six is a, uh, is a lecture day. Um, it is, um, there's still spots available because we're doing it virtually with the whole COVID thing. Um, the in-person side is, is sold out, but the, the virtual side is, is still, uh, still up. Um, and we actually just posted up, um, uh, a couple days ago, um, the, uh, kind of schedule and right now, uh, 50 bucks for, for a station or a department, um, that can, can stream the virtual lecture. Um, all the proceeds for the entire conference go to sons of the flag, uh, which is a, um, burn research charity, um, that is supported by a couple different conferences throughout the, the country. Uh, but on November 6th, the lectures are two-hour blocks, um, Truck Tactics on Acquired Buildings by, uh, by JJ, J- uh, Jason Jonitas, um, Training for Our Personal Survival by Michael Lanning and Perry Hall. Uh, it's a mental health-geared uh, um, uh, talk. Uh, Modern Fire Service Leadership by Jonah Smith. And then Portable Rescues with Aerials, uh, where, where Aerials Can't Go by Garrett Rice. Um, so that's uh, two hour blocks um, on November 6th and then November 7th will be the hands-on day. And uh, we've got a cadre, a pretty diverse cadre from, from all over that are going to come down. There's an engine side, a truck side. Unfortunately, it's, it's sold out. Um, our, our, um, all the registrants are in right now, uh, but engine truck side, um, engine side is split into two. Uh, kind of s- split between short stretching and long stretching um, with um, Twisted Fire Cadre and uh, 350 Line, Matt Atkins, a um, um, couple other guys, and then the truck side, um, 
is uh, a bunch of basic truck skills, laddering, VES, VES beyond the door, some basic iron stuff, some, some can work, searching um, by, uh, by a, a plethora of instructors. The instructor list is like twice as long for that side. Um, but a lot of guys, again, a twist fire cadre, guys from, um, uh, from around the country that are going to come in and help with that. So, sorry, Jordan, I didn't mean to steal all that thunder. No, you did a heck of a job. <laughs> no, that was good. Yeah, I mean, anything yeah, to add, think, Jordan? You know, the only thing I would add is, and Chris kind of hit on it too. Um, from from my understanding, there really hasn't been a outside training culture. You know, you, you get some departments that may bring in a, a big name, and you may do like a one day hands on or a one day lecture. And you know, I'll be honest. I mean, and you know, I'm kind of speaking for Twisted Fire Industries and myself. We're not we're not going out to reinvent the wheel, um, but we're trying to bring an outside approach, or I wouldn't even call it an outside approach. We're basically we're just trying to get out of our sandbox. Um, a close friend of mine, Mike Dowling from from PG, has always said sometimes you just need to step outside your sandbox and see what else the country has to offer. And I really think that that hits close to home with this conference because yes it's a lot of local to the charlotte metro area guys that are teaching however we're bringing some outside people in too and you know it, it's not us trying to win people's hearts or be better than somebody else but we're trying to give give the area a different approach or different perspective of you know some things that maybe could benefit them or benefit them you know at a later date and, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be, it'll be a, a very good time and, you know, hopefully we've got a lot of good feedback and we can continue, continue to make, you know, North Carolina better than, you know, it was yesterday. Um, you know, one of my sayings is that, you know, I don't want to die with all the information I have. So for me to pass it along to somebody else is, is a benefit to not only myself, but to somebody else. You know, and and I really think that's what we're, we're our our mindset is is focused on is just passing along good information to hopefully spark up some interest or spark up a conversation with somebody else and let them understand or or be able to think that hey you know there are different ways to stretch a hand line or there's different ways to force a door and you know I won't go back to the Diefsta Jones and Bartlett books but we can all attest to where they may. Uh, have set us down the wrong path, but that's a time for a different story. But, um, <laughs> right. you, know, I, you know, like I said, I think we're, we just, you know, we want to have a good time. We want to, we want to learn, we want to train and, you know, for the people listening, you know, look out for, you know, things to come. Look, you know, look out for what's potentially going to happen next year. So. And, and Robbie, if I can say it's, 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 it's kind of conferences and I'm not, I'm not putting us up on a pedestal, but it's, it's conferences, um, in the past that have sparked the interest, you know, with doing, um, you know, this conference, um, and mentors and, and leaders within our, within our service that have given us the tools to be able to, to do something like this. And then, you know, obviously the, um, the, the will and desire of all the people involved. Um, but we, like Jordan said, like, there's not, there's not been a huge outside training culture, um, in our area for a while. We've had, we've had, we have some really good instructors in the area that do go outside and, and learn and bring that stuff back. But as far as a, um, as far as a big group of people getting together and training, um, and, and that's kind of what Jordan and I were talking about last weekend. We, we held a, a little one day, a really, really basic engine engine minded class, uh, at a friend's department. Um, and the guys that showed up were not, you know, they're not the, the 20 year guys looking for something new. Um, don't get me wrong. I would love to talk to those guys and see if they can bring anything for, for me. Um, but a lot of who we had were, you know, five years and below that their training experience is a lot of like the community college fire Academy, real basic certification classes. And they're looking for something different. Um, they're looking for, um, you know, that non-standard, like Jordan was saying, the, the, the non-ISTA version of how we do things. 
Um, and I, like I said, like, I don't work for, you know, I don't work for the FDNY in the, in the South Bronx, right? Like I'm, um, not the most experienced guy, never will be. Um, but I, I love the tips and tricks that other people have showed me and that I've learned along the way. And if, if I can pass that along to anybody, uh, to make their life just a little bit easier on the fire ground and, and hopefully make uh, their event more successful, then that's that's what I'm here for. And I think that's what we're all here for. So, Yeah, I mean, it's all about being open-minded, but it's, it's more importantly of having a balance and understanding that balance of, you know, certifications and, you know, street experience. And, I mean, there's stuff that, you know, we take from FDNY. And like Chris said, I don't work in the Bronx. He doesn't work in the Bronx, but there's stuff that you can take and pull and grasp from other departments and other people that could potentially benefit you and, 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 and make your life easier. But if you're not open-minded or, or you don't, you can't understand the word balance, you're never going to get far. You know, I guess in my opinion, you're never going to get far in this career. But. No, that, that's all. I, and I, and I agree. I, I, I personally think that, the the small or you guys i guess you refer to it as a micro conference i, I really think that's the future man i, I really do i mean fdic is great firehouse expo is great i've gone to fdic like 13 or 14 times it's awesome but it's not very you know interactive you know like they don't have time it's it's a firefighter mill they're running people through there's there's 50 classes in, in an you know hour and a half hour and 15 minute period you know, whereas these micro conferences, like you actually get the opportunity to interact with the instructors. Like it's, it's, you know what I mean? And, and, and you get to have those conversations about like, Hey, how does this work? And, and, and whatnot. And, and no, I, I think it's great what you guys are doing and going out there trying to accomplish and, and continuing to, to push the fire service forward, especially in, in the state that you're in. Um, you know, that that's outstanding. Uh, I, I really can't commend you guys enough. So as again, as we're starting to wind it down, uh, tell us, you know, you, you talked about Carolina firemanship days, but just hit us up with your social media contacts. What if they want Twisted Fire Injury, uh, Twisted Fire Industries to come uh, teach a class or each one of you individual or, or something like that? Tell us how we can get in contact with you. Hit us up on social media, all of those things. You want, you want me to go first, Chris? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It'll be very short and sweet. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Chris, Chris will agree with me. Um, I'm very technologically disadvantaged. So I have, you know, I have it all half the time. I don't even know how to access it or get to it. But <laughs> if anybody has anything, have them go to Chris. Chris will get a hold of me and I'll somehow figure it out. But no, I mean, we're, we're, we're both on social media. I try to stay off of it as much as possible because usually I get in trouble. But, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I'll let, I'll let Chris fill in the rest. Um, yeah. <laughs> the conversations that Jordan and I have about social media, it's great. Um, it is, it's a, <laughs> and I, not to go off on a tangent, but it's, it's, it's an amazing tool that can be used or misused. Um, and we've seen in the last like couple of weeks, just the, the amazing response that we've got for the, for the conference. And I'm not, I don't even do much with the social media. Like there's, there's a whole nother kind of team that works that, but um, when used in the right way, like I've had conversations with people that I normally wouldn't have had conversations with just, just by being on social media and being active there. So, um, they're definitely, they're, they're guys that'll say this is the devil and they're, they'll be guys that'll say it's the best thing ever. And, and, uh, there's a middle road there. So, but yeah, Twisted Fire Industries on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can go there, you can message, uh, the page to, to set up any classes, um, or anything like that. Um, the, uh, the conference, um, um, the conference website is Carolina Firemanship Days.com. I'm making sure I have that right. Cause I'll get, I'll get yelled at if I don't. Yeah, I think that's right, Chris. Um, I can check. Let me, give me a second. I'm pulling it up right now. There's a, um, yep. Um, Carolina Firemanship Days.com. Um, there's a brochure there. There's a, a get involved, uh, tab. If anybody wants to volunteer, uh, we need a lot of help with, uh, with hot stations, either repacking hose, resetting doors, things like that. Um, if you want to get involved in that way, uh, spouses are encouraged to, to get involved. If you, if your, uh, your firefighter is, is doing, uh, one of the classes and, and you don't have anything else going on 
for the day and, and you want to come down and see what it's all about. Um, that's, that's one big thing that, um, that Heather, uh, Yaller, Joe's wife is, is super involved with. She, uh, um, she has taken a, a, a real vested interest in being involved in, in Joe's work life as far as how he trains and what he does to prepare himself and things like that. And, um, and is, is very involved with the, uh, with the work of the, uh, the fire wife as she calls it. Um, so if any spouses want to get involved, you can do the same thing. Just email the, uh, the support website under, or the support email under the get involved page. Um, and we'd love to, we'd love to have whoever, whoever wants to come out to, to help out and, uh, see what it's all about. So. Well, man, that, that, that's awesome guys. Um, you know, again, I can't commend you guys enough for the, just the, the, the path you're taking to, you know, and just the, again, like I said in the, in my opening, I said just the war you're waging on that peacetime fire service where, you know, you guys are trying to get out there and educate as many people as you can through your teachings with the conference, with Twisted Fire Industries, with everybody. And just your, and, you know, and again, I've seen your guys' social media platforms. It, it's not as bad as you think. Um, you know, you guys are educating things. And Chris, you even posted a video one time about your mask up routine. So that's all valuable, valuable stuff. Um, so I just can't thank you guys enough for coming on the podcast. And uh, no, again, thank you guys for joining. Yeah, me. thank you very much. We appreciate yeah. it. Be here. Thank you. Outstanding. And uh, so stay tuned for some closing remarks from the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Man, as I said, what a great conversation with Jordan Hood and Chris Clark. Just uh, two salt-of-the-earth guys that are just all about doing the right things as far as the fire service goes. Um, it, it's a pleasure to be able to discuss stuff with them. And, and again, Chris has been on the podcast when we discussed Water on the Fire, and I got to meet Chris at Water on the Fire. Just just super great guy, all about the right stuff, and wants to just spread the knowledge of engine company firefighting. Uh, you know, just great, great, great people. Um like they said, you know, Carolina Firemanship Days, the hands-on sold out, but you can go to carolinafiremanshipdays.com and still do the lecture portion. It's going to be streamed, so it's 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 going to be available. You don't even have to go anywhere. And $50 to stream it to your entire fire department. Like, you can all get in a room, and, uh, and, and I mean, that, that's a pretty amazing thing at this time where you can get training for free, or not for free, but for $50 and never have to go anywhere. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing stuff with the amount of speakers that you're going to get. Um, speaking of Carolina Firemanship Days, I couldn't do what I do without the support of some great, great companies. The first being Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the new MK1 Ultra Fire Glove. You didn't think that the MK1s could get any better? Well, the MK1 Ultras have improved on the design. They're going to be more durable, but still maintaining that good flexibility that makes the MK1 so great. So head over to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFire.com and get you a pair of MK1 Ultras. I traded up my MK1s for some MK1 Ultras, and let me tell you, they're just as good. Uh, they're probably even better. They're going to last me a whole lot longer. I can't wait to uh, hopefully catch some work with them shortly. But after doing some training and everything with them already, I can tell you that they're just as good, if not better, than the original MK1. So the MK1 Ultra made for work. The second is Taylor's Tins. Taylor's Tins, the makers of metal helmet fronts. These things are awesome. You're not going to burn them up. You can drop them, scratch them, take them into the hottest fire you can imagine, and they're going to still come out looking as good as the day you got it. Go to taylorstins.com, stop burning up leather fronts, and start wearing Taylor's Tins. A couple new companies uh, coming on the podcast. The next, the Burn Box. Uh, I'm not big into uh, like firefighter, like super apparel and everything, but I can tell you what the Burn Box is taking as a subscription service for firefighter apparel and tools that, I mean, I can tell you what, I just got my first one the other day and it is worth the money that it's, it, you're getting it, especially if you sign up for one of the, uh, for the subscription service for multiple months, man, you're getting a significant discount on some pretty great firefighter tools. I got a firefighter swipe tool. I got a t-shirt from hook and irons. Uh, I got an article about forceful entry, all sorts of great, great products that are firefighter owned and, fi and support firefighters. So go to theburnbox.com and get your subscription today for all the latest and greatest in firefighter-owned companies. Next, IDLH Technology. IDLH Technology, my friend Andy Powell, who is a retired battalion chief, 
He created one of the greatest things that I've ever purchased, the tacticalworksheet.com. I loved this product so bad. The Ideal H Tactical Worksheet is uh, so awesome. I loved this product so much uh, that I had to contact him. I had to contact him, and I had to to ask him to have his permission to just plug his, his products on the podcast because I think they're so good. The Ideal H Tactical Worksheet is well-made. It is set up perfect for any incident commander and with my role in the fire service these days i'm riding the buggy more than i'm riding a fire truck and i needed a good command board that made sense in my head and that that idlh tactical worksheet is it he's got a host of other products uh with his pio worksheet his division supervisor worksheet idlh tactical worksheet junior and a host and host of of other products that'll just make your command and control and your accountability that much better make sure you head over to tacticalworksheet.com. That's tacticalworksheet.com and pick up some of the great products from Andy over at IDLH Technology. And lastly, the Fire Ground Commander Conference coming back to you March 22nd to the 24th, Henrico Theater, Henrico County, Virginia, 2021. We just, uh, because of the pandemic, finished up the last conference in August, and we immediately announced that we were coming back uh, back on the regular time frame in March, and it's going to be the biggest conference that we've ever tried to pull off. You can get a registration for $175 for 10 speakers. 10 speakers. We had an early bird registration that sold out within a couple days. It was $100. But now for $175, you're going to get 10 speakers. Speakers like Eric Wheaton from Vendon or Search, Ryan Pennington from uh, talking about hoarder fires. Uh, I mean, and a host and a host, a host of all of others. So, I mean, it's going to be an amazing, amazing event. We are so psyched to be able to put it back on in March at the Henrico Theater, one of the greatest venues in Central Virginia. Virginia, go to embracetheresistance.com, click on the Fireground Commander Conference tab to get registered for this year's conference. $175, best value in the country, 10 speakers. We provide lunch and snacks and drinks all three days. We're going to announce some other social events, and we're going to get back to some of the social events we've done in the previous years, pre-pandemic years, and it's just going to be a great, great time. Do not miss this year, the rather 2021's Fireground Commander Conference, March 22nd to the 24th at the Henrico Theater in Henrico County, Virginia. Fireground Commander winning on the fireground. And lastly, you know what we do. Make sure you're spending one hour in the gym working on your physical fitness, preparing for the job that we signed up to do. Make sure you're spending one hour in the library reading Fire Engineering Magazine, reading Firehouse Magazine, reading books about about fires, reading articles about fires, watching YouTube videos about fires, staying on the cutting edge of our profession. And make sure you're spending one hour every day doing some sort of hands-on training, putting your hands on the tools that we need to do our job. You do that. You become a pretty phenomenal firefighter, I guarantee it. So thanks for listening. Stay safe, but stay aggressive. I'm out.